uh, chapter 2, 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Which would, which were just as had been told to them. Well, seasons greetings, everybody, and uh, Merry Christmas! It's wonderful to be here with you today. I'd like to acknowledge our music team for doing a good job uh, playing for us today. Very well done, and I, I think uh, there's plenty of musicians here in the congregation too. Thank you, um, Benjamin and Michelle, for leading us in song. It's getting a little bit worried there, though. I was thinking uh, Benjamin was doing such a good job of it, I didn't know whether I needed to get up here and preach today. Uh, so some, some encouraging words there. Thank you, Benjamin. Let us come before our Lord in a word of prayer and then consider this uh, great passage that Ben read for us today. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time we share together. Uh, we thank you for guiding us in life through your word. And Lord, we thank you that uh, we can ponder these wonderful events today. Uh, help us to understand them all and help us to respond to you in love. Uh, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder what you're like for somebody else to buy a present for. Are you a a difficult person for people to buy for, or are you easy? You know, I've noticed over time uh, different people's 
reactions to the gifts that they get given. And some of those reactions can be quite interesting, can't they? A few years ago now, my kids were at a preschool when there was a, a birthday cake that was being handed out amongst the kids as a, as a special afternoon treat. And as the cake was uh, cut and being handed out amongst these cute little kids, the cake came round to one poor little boy. And uh, when it came to him, he, he started reacting uh, by bursting into tears as this cake came around. And he started to hyperventilate too. And with some great sobs, he said to his preschool teacher, I wanted chocolate cake. <laughs> and so it was very safe to conclude that uh, the cake that he received was, was not the kind of cake that he wanted. Well, his preschool teacher was nice to him and molly coddled him, as they say, and said, well, a little bit precious, are we? Come on, it'll still be nice. But I've noticed that giving and receiving gifts can be tricky, tricky for adults as well. We can spend ages looking for something in a hardware store, department store, bookstores, and that's even before we get to online shopping, searching for the perfect gift for that special someone in our lives. Well, have you ever had anyone in your life like that, where you're finding it hard to buy the right kind of gift for them? You're not sure how they're going to react uh, when you give them that gift. And then when the day comes, that special day, they open the present, we sometimes wonder, will they even appreciate what I've got them? Or whether they're going to give us the adult's equivalent of, I wanted chocolate cake instead. <laughs> well, as you know, uh, Christmas has come around once again. The older I get, the, the faster they seem to come around. Uh, and there can be a great deal of happiness, can't there, uh, as we celebrate together, as we give gift and as we receive gifts. But as we do so, uh, as Scott acknowledged in his prayer, uh, we remember the first Christmas and God's great gift to us. As we read earlier from Luke's Gospel about that first Christmas, um, we, did you get that sense that the occasion was an absolutely magnificent moment in history? Did that sort of come through as um, Ben read? As I read this story, I, I thought this, it's hard for us to even use words to capture uh, that moment. And in some ways, uh, the more we think about it, it takes uh, our breath away. In fact, it's hard to think of a, a more glorious moment of joy uh, in a, a fallen world. But as those supernatural events have unfolded, events that deal with a, a realm of reality that's very special, events that are hard for us to fathom, but events that speak about God and his holiness and his goodness towards the world and his grace. As those events unfolded on this first Christmas, it's hard to compare that Christmas time then with the Christmas time that we experience today, isn't it? We try to be thoughtful in our own way as we plan to give a gift to somebody that's meaningful and uh, fits them. But our gifts aren't quite as deep 
and profound as the meaningful gift that God gives to us on that first Christmas. And so we see that God's gift is the best gift. We might say it's the greatest gift. But the question is, what will our reaction to that gift be? Now, I hope your answer doesn't include any words like chocolate cake in it. As Luke shares the story of the first Christmas, he gets the ball rolling in some very broad terms. Did you notice that? He starts globally. He starts talking about the Caesar of the day, Caesar Augustus, the head of the Roman Empire, the whole known world at the time, before he starts to narrow his focus down to Quirinius, who was responsible for uh, Syria and the area of the Jews around Israel. And then Luke starts to narrow his focus down even further. He begins with the rulers who are making uh, decisions about the world, and they, they think they're in control. But they don't actually know it yet, but they're actually bringing about God's plans and purposes. In fact, the events that are unfolding today were already prophesied back in the Old Testament in the book of Micah. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we read these words, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And so these rulers are at work and their power is at work organising the world to bring more tax revenue into the Roman coffers. But we can see also, can't we, that there's a greater power at work, even greater than the authority of the, of the global rulers. And it's been unfolding before our eyes in this story. For from Bethlehem will come one who's going to be a ruler over Israel. And at this point in the story, we're not altogether surprised either if we've been reading the Gospel of Luke because already an angel has come to Mary and spoken about her baby who would be great. In fact, Mary understands something about uh, what God has done to her and she sings about it in chapter 1 and says how God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. She says he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And that's a theme that comes through here, how Jesus has humble beginnings, but becomes lifted up. The rulers are, are at work, and their power is at work throughout the Roman world. But ultimately, it is God who determines the history and here we start to see that the tables of who's really in authority begin to turn. And right on cue, we learn that everybody goes down to their own town to register for the census. And Luke again starts to narrow his focus down from a global scale to a more local one as he starts to focus on Joseph and Mary and their trip to Bethlehem. Bethlehem's significant because it's the town of David and he was the king on whose throne another king would reign forever. And Joseph belonged to the house of David and the line of David. This again continues a theme in Luke's gospel of the kingship of Jesus. We've already heard about his link to King David 
in this gospel already, in uh, chapter 1, the angel spoke to Mary and she was told that God would give her baby the throne of his father David and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And so we see in our passage today that the days have come where these things are being fulfilled. There was a promise to King David in the past that's being fulfilled. And Gabriel the angel is telling Mary that hers is the baby who's going to reign on King David's throne. So Luke brings his focus from the, the global level right down to Israel, Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary, and finally, our focus is right on Jesus. The days are fulfilled, or if you like, the time's been completed also for Mary to have the baby. And we pick this up in verse 7, if you're reading along there. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, as the firstborn, we understand that Jesus stands in a tradition, in a culture where the firstborn inherited uh, all things. I think my kids are hoping that uh, things might be a bit different than that. We'll, we'll split it up in five ways uh, over time. I might let you fight about that amongst yourselves. But back in the, these times, uh, the firstborn was the inheritor. And so we might even ask the question, what was it that this firstborn was going to inherit? After all, uh, Joseph and Mary were fairly, from fairly humble beginnings, so there's probably not much to share around. But what would he inherit? Well, wasn't it that the significant thing was that he'd inherit the throne of his forefather, David? He'd inherit the kingship over Israel and ultimately kingship over the whole world. And this is, in fact, something the, uh, the shepherds who get a profile in this story, start to become acquainted with it. The shepherds start to learn about this idea of the kingship of Jesus in the next few verses. There's a little bit of literary uh, specialness here too. The, uh, the shepherds, you might have noticed, are out in the darkness. They're in the cold of the night. And we're reminded of something that uh, John the Baptist's father sung about earlier when he sung about, sung about how God would shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And so here now, we're introduced to a scene where there's darkness. And we're given the image of the shepherds there, out in the fields, watching their flocks, and it's night. And in chapter 2, verse 9, we read that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds. And here's the little link about the shining now. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. See, fulfilling Zachariah's words. And how did they feel? They were relaxed about all this? No. They were terrified. They're quaking in their rug boots. Well, what an amazing moment. Can you imagine being one of the shepherds there on this first Christmas when this happened? The glory of the Lord shines around. I think Benjamin picked up on this point in his miniature sermon. It is a remarkable moment. Uh, how can words even capture that? The glory of the Lord is shining there and you're acquainted with one of the heavenly hosts. This, 
This isn't sort of rational stuff, is it? This is supernatural stuff. We're dealing with God and his heavenly host. And what is the news from this angelic messenger? Well, the angel of the Lord says to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Well, what can we note about that? There's a couple of things, isn't there? Firstly, this is uh, good news for all kinds of people. It's not just for the Jews. I've got a bit of Jewish heritage, and uh, you can see that in my daughter Meredith. Uh, but this is not just for the Jews, ethnic Jews. This is uh, good news for all kinds of people. Uh, Scottish people, uh, Swiss people, red-headed people, uh, bald people. Uh, this is uh, great news for all kinds of people. It's not, not just limited to the Jews. And secondly, in the town of David, a saviour's been born who is Christ. He's the anointed one. He's, he's king. This, this saviour is also king. That's who this baby was. Jesus is God's gift to the world, both king and saviour for their sins. This is where the sermon gets a little more serious now. Friends, if you want to sort of snuggle into this moment, um, we, in many ways we can start to understand this good gift of God to us. Uh, as we seek to give good gifts to each other, sometimes we, we blunder. We don't, we don't always get it right. I got my dad some socks a few years ago and they were too tight around his ankles and he let me know. <laughs> but this gift from God to us uh, is just what we need. And we can start to understand it, can't we, as we think about our lives and humanity. Because we know that we're people who need a saviour. We are imperfect people, aren't we? As much as we like to think we're pretty good, etc., we know that we're imperfect. It doesn't come easily for us to look at the flaws in our own lives, does it? It doesn't come easily for us to acknowledge our own pride or to remember that we, we don't always trust God as we should. And we know that we fall short of giving thanks to God in our lives and we can forget about God. We don't thank God for the good things that he gives us, for the life and health and every good that we enjoy. And instead, we, we prefer to forget about our maker, our creator, and we prefer to serve ourselves. And the Bible describes that pathway in life as missing the mark, it's sin, where we choose to not walk closely with the Lord, but instead uh, we choose to walk away from the Lord. I spoke about these things uh, on a building site a little earlier this year. One of the things about working with tradesmen is they, they cut to the chase pretty quick. They can be quite frank. And as I spoke to uh, one of the wall and floor tilers who I was working with, he was pretty frank with me and asked me about what I believe. And so he says to me, all right, okay, so, so how does this all work out then when we die? He's sort of straight to the point. And I told him what the Bible teaches us about God, that God is holy, 
He's described as just. He's described as a just judge and that we're his creatures accountable to him. And I let him know the Bible tells us that we, we can't hide from God and that we're not really given any hope that we'll be spared on judgment day from his righteous wrath and anger against us for being, being people who've, who forget about him and, and walk away and live like we're the cre creators. There's no hope that we'll, spare, we'll be spared on that judgment day. Apart, that is, apart from God's gift to us in his son, who's Christ the Lord, that we're reading about today. And so I told my friend, the Tyler, about Jesus and how he's come into the world for our sakes, that he's come into the world to, to die for our sins. We've seen that uh, in the message from the angels today, haven't we? We've been told that he comes into the world to be the saviour. And although we don't see it in this passage that we have this morning, if you read the rest of the Gospel of Luke, we can see his life unfold, that he grows into a man who faithfully serves the Lord always, that he willingly lays down his life as a sacrifice for sins as he dies on the cross for us before God raises him to life again so that he can give people new life. Jesus, in his love for the Lord and for us, bears our sin. He pays the penalty for those who trust in him. That's the good news, that Jesus is the saviour who deals with our sins. Isn't that kind of God to give us a saviour? In fact, this uh, is something that Zechariah, a little earlier in Luke, sings about also. He sang about his son John, who would be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. John comes to prepare for Jesus. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus is God's good gift to us, the best gift. Jesus is the greatest gift that we could receive at Christmas time. How will you respond to this gift from God? Some may respond to God's gift by being a bit like that ungrateful little boy at the birthday party who got the kind of cake that he, he didn't want. Very upset about it. Uh, but the shepherds in this story, um, they weren't like that, were they? Uh, if they hyperventilated, they hyperventilated because they were very joyful. They were, they were delighted. But first of all, they, they get a sign of all the babies in Bethlehem who've been born. How will they know that this is the one? What's the answer? Because he's, he's in a, a food trough. He's in the manger. They get the sign, the baby in the manger, he's your man. I'll pick this up in uh, verse 12. This will be the sign, a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. What a, what a remarkable moment. Well, this Christmas, let us remember that God's given us a perfect gift. He's given us both King and Saviour. Jesus is King not only over Israel, he's King over the whole world. And he's a servant king. He, he served us by laying down his life that we might enjoy forgiveness of our sins. Well, may we be the kind of people who react well to this gift. Uh, the reaction of the shepherds was one of glorifying God and praising him. That's how they responded. And Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. May we this Christmas be people who are very grateful to God for what he's done for us in Christ uh, and react well uh, with thankfulness for God's gift of forgiveness that comes through his son, Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer now and we can thank God for his gift to us in Christ. Let us pray. Our Lord God, we give you thanks for this wonderful passage this morning which reminds us of your mercy to humanity and your grace. We thank you for your gift of Jesus, both the King and Saviour. Lord, we thank you that we can have assurance of forgiveness of our sins because of what he's done for us. Lord, we thank you that he laid down his life later and bore the punishment for our sins, that we might enjoy your great gift of forgiveness. And Lord, we give you thanks that we can know that we're right with you on account of what he's done for us we thank you for the assurance of your love for us in Christ. And we thank you that we can celebrate your goodness to us in Christ this Christmas, that we know that we're at peace with you because of your kindness to us in Christ. And we just thank you for these wonderful truths that we've, we've seen here this morning from your word. And we pray that they'd settle into our hearts and minds as we live and seek to live with you as our God and enjoy life with you as your people. We thank you for this this wonderful message today, and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.